This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. a sin to fall into temptation. You'll always be tempted. When will you not be tempted? When you stand in glory before the Lord. (laughs) For now, as long as you have this flesh, right? Not only is it fading away, right? Not only the hair, I'm losing my hair, not only because of great we're fading away. (laughs) But when we stand before God in glory, I'm going to be a foot taller. I'm going to have hair, I'm going to be buffed. No, the the point is, there's no more battles. The flesh is gone. Temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to those unholy desires to serve self that you've sinned against God. That can happen on a physical level, but it also happens on a mental and spiritual level. That's where even the most faithful believers still falter. As Pastor Eddie will point out in today's message, you can be extremely disciplined in following God's law, but there will always be remnants of that sinful nature in your heart and mind in this life. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. As he begins his message, Jesus, the Great High Priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, we're going to read to chapter 5, verse 11. Seeing then, the writer of Hebrews writes, That we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin." And no man take this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers of supplication and with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and 
hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Thus far, if you've been with us in our study, we find that the writer knows his Bible. He is using verses and verses, passages from the Old Testament. Um, So uh, scripturally, biblically, he is using a passage to prove his point that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And thus far, using scripture, he had proved that Jesus is a better prophet. Jesus is is better than the angels. Jesus is greater than the great grand poobah Moses. He is better than Joshua. And now in our study this morning, in this passage, he's going to add to how Jesus is better. Jesus is a great high priest. He is better than the high priest that we study and look in the scriptures. So I can kind of picture here, and maybe you could picture this with me, as the Jews are uh, have found their faith in Christ, they're attempting to go back to the temple. And they're looking, the temple is still standing. And they see it's that time of year where they have to atone for their sins. And they see the high priest going into the holy, in the holy of holies, to atone for the sins of the world. And now they're putting their trust in man. They're looking at the one man who's above, who's the leader of all the Jews, the great high, not the great high, the high priest at that time. And so this is on the back of their minds. And so now uh, the writer of Hebrew wants to draw their attention away from the temple because it's all a picture of things to come, which is Christ. And now he's going to prove that Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus Christ is the great high priest priest. Our study is is a two-part study. Part one is informational. Part one is informational, and that's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, up to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And then part two, Lord willing, uh, the next time we're together, is applicational. And that begins at the end of verse 11, chapter 5, to chapter 6, the end of chapter 6, which is verse 20. And so now you may say, well, you know, this chapter, verse breaks, you know, the word of God is inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the chapter and verse breaks are not. But we're grateful, I am grateful for the translators to actually put chapters and verse breaks because imagine finding a passage in the book of Leviticus or Isaiah. You know, it's going to be really hard. I'm going to say, open to the book of Isaiah. You know, how are you going to find that? So, we're grateful, but we're going to see this thing, and it's a two-part study. This morning, we begin with part one, and part one, our study this morning, is divided into three. A chapter, we're going to see Christ, our compassionate high priest, and the emphasis is Christ being the high priest. Chapter, that's from chapter four, verses 14 to 16. And then we're going to see in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the qualification of a high priest. The Old Testament high priest, he's going to just point out who this man is and what's his responsibilities. Uh, Then thirdly, we're going to look at Jesus Christ, a priest forever. Jesus Christ is a priest forever, and that's in chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. Now just one more thing before we begin our study, I think it'll be helpful a uh, high priest is mentioned, these two words, high priest, is mentioned 83 times in the entire Bible. 83 times. It is mentioned 22 times in the Old Testament. Interestingly, it's mentioned more than the Old Testament, 61 times in the New Testament. 61 times in the New Testament. And of those 61 times, 18 times in the book of Hebrews. 
So we're going to talk a lot about, in our study of the book of Hebrews, about the high priest. Now, if you have the Bible, sometimes you see that it's capitalized. So of the uh, 18 times, 9 times is capitalized. H, high, H, capital H for high, and then P for priest. That is pointing to Jesus. So whenever you see it capitalized, is referring to Christ. Okay? And one time that is mentioned high priest and capitalized, capital H, capital P, just before it, uh, there's the word called great. Great. Look at verse 14. Just look at verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Now the word great in the Greek is the Greek word mega, from where we get the uh, English word mega. It means loud. It means remarkable, out of the ordinary, in degree, magnitude, or effect. And so Jesus is, is not an ordinary high priest. He is the great, the mega high priest. And that's important because Jesus Christ is the one that's now seated at the right hand of God. He is passed through not, a, not the earthly tabernacle, holy of holies, but he's in the holy of holies in heaven seated at the right hand of God. So that is in a way of introduction. We read the text. Let us now study the text verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews write this, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The writer now directs the attention of the verse readers, you and I, away from any earthly priest, that is, or for those, the first reader, they are looking at the high priest in the temple. He draws their attention away from the high priest to the great high priest. Jesus Christ says, seeing then, we have a great high priest. And it's important to know that we have a high priest, but he is great. He is Jesus Christ. In other words, we already have a high priest. What makes Jesus Christ the great high priest? Well, look what it says. It says, who has passed through the heavens. He has passed through the heavens. While the Aaronic uh, priesthood, that's uh, speaking of Aaron, who's the first priest in the Bible, Exodus chapter 28, and all the high priests after him, they have uh, walked through the Holy of Holies once a year. Once a year, they go into the Holy of Holies to atone for the sins of the world, to, to put blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, and that's on Yom Kippur, just once a year. They're only able to enter the Holy of Holies once a year. Jesus Christ is in the heavens, and he's still in the heavens now, seated at the right hand of God. And so they walk through an earthly temple, an earthly tabernacle, right, through the Holy of Holies, and only once a year. But interestingly that Christ, he's in the Holy of Holies with the Father, and he is seated. The Holy Holies in the tabernacle or in the temple did not have a seat for the high priest. Why? Because the work of repentance, the work of uh, atonement for sin, that is, it has to take place every year. It's an ongoing thing. But God allowed that to show that once and for all, one Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, will atone the sins for the world once and for all. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But Jesus had passed through the heavens, meaning the sky, outer space, and now into uh, the heavens with the Father. He's not walking through the Holy of Holies here on earth. 
He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of Father. And thus Jesus is a better high priest. Later on, the the writer of Hebrew writes in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, he writes this. Now this is the main point of things we are saying. We have such an high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, not man. The temple here on earth, where Aaron and every high priest after him had walked through temples made by hand, instructed by God. God gave them instructions how to build a tabernacle, but it still was made by hand. And so God doesn't dwell in, 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 in temples made by hand. You know, we, we tend to forget that. Uh, you know, when we're not here, guess what? God's not here either. He's not here. The only thing that's here is the church mice. That's all that's here. But God is not here when we're not here. He's here because we're here. And here, here's, here's the awesome thing is that even when you're alone at home, he's there with you. You don't have to say, well, I need to go to a place where I could be with God. Yeah, I understand this. You know, you don't want to be at home. The dog is barking and the music is playing or whatever. You want to go to a place where you can escape. I understand that. But you don't have to go anywhere to find God. Wherever you are, God is there. God is there. And this is the great high priest that we worship and that that is our savior. And because Jesus Christ is our great high priest, look at uh, verse 14 again. He says, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast in, in, in view of the fact that Jesus Christ is our high priest. Hold fast, hold firm to that truth. Understand, and he's going to go on, you know, just sharing who Jesus is as our great high priest. Hold that. Hold on to that truth. He is your high priest. He is the great high priest. And I know that, uh, you know, their, their suffering extends, you know, extent, you know, persecution. They're going through a lot of persecution right now. And he's telling the first readers of the book of Hebrews, so listen, I know you're going through extreme persecution. You've been ostracized by your family. I know you're going through a lot because of your, new, your newfound faith in Jesus. But hold firm. This is the truth. This is it. Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfilled all 300 messianic prophecies. And he is our great high priest. Don't look to man. That was only to show us, to give us a picture of the one that has come. And now he is seated at the right hand of God. So, our great high priest is also a compassionate high priest. Look at verse 15. He said, for we, and I love the, the writer of Hebrews, he includes himself, he said, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest, a great high priest, who can sympathize with our weaknesses, it's not like all the other religions would have these gods that they're better, they're holier than whatever, and, and they don't have a clue of what you're going through. We have a high priest that understands. Now, the Greek word sympathize is the Greek word supatheo, 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 and it means to suffer with, to be affected with the same feelings as another. I don't know what you're going through today, this morning. I don't know what you're suffering, but God knows. 
the Lord, we have a, a, a great high priest that knows what you're going through. He knows. Now, I don't know if you ever hear the phrase when someone says, nobody knows how I feel. That's an untrue statement <laughs> because God knows. God knows all things. He knows everything. You can't say God doesn't know. Nobody knows how. Yeah, God does. Jesus knows how you're feeling. He knows exactly. As a matter of fact, he knows more about what you're going through than you yourself. He knows why you're going through it, how it started, and when it's going to finish. And he knows how it's going to turn you out. And so that's amazing. We have a high priest that knows what we're going through, knows more than what we know. And he's our great high priest. I don't know, again, what, what, any, what we're going through, what you're going through right now. You may, you may say, where can I go? You may think, where can I go? You may say, what can I, who can I turn to? Turn to Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Go to Jesus. Not to man. Go to Jesus. Because Jesus has been there, and he has the scars to prove it. He's been there. You can't say Jesus. No, Jesus knows. <laughs> He left his throne in glory, not only to die on the cross, but to identify with man. That's why he has the title, uh, Son of Man, because he became like one of us. He dwelt with us, and he sympathized with us. He knows exactly what we're going through. And you may say, but I'm, you don't understand, I, I get tempted all the time. <laughs> Welcome to the club. It just shows that you're alive, you're not dead. <laughs> We all go through temptation. Jesus has been through temptation. God understands. Oh, but you don't know how many times Jesus knows. He knows. He knows exactly why you're being tempted. He knows that you're being tempted, how often you're being tempted. He knows. It says that he was tempted at all points, which means that he experienced every degree of temptation. Now, some of us have weaknesses in certain areas, and we're tempted on one thing more than other. But let me tell you this. The things that you haven't been tempted with, Christ has. So it, it, it proves that Jesus has been tempted in everything. Everything. And, you know, there are three areas that we are tempted or that will attract our attention, if you will, or get us. You know, and these are three areas, and it's consistent throughout the scriptures, and the enemy loves to use this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, For all that is in the world, here it is, number one, the lust of the flesh, that's number one. The lust of the eyes, number two, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. In these three areas, the enemy loves to tempt us. But you know, this is exactly what happened in the beginning. You remember in the garden? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, pride of life, it's consistent. It started in the beginning, and the enemy still does that today. Here we're talking about uh, about 100 AD when this uh, first John was written uh, about that time. And we're talking, it's still the same thing the enemy uses to, to cause us to stumble. But you know what? So was our high priest, Jesus Christ. You remember after Jesus was baptized, he was being, he was being tempted in the desert. He was fasting in the desert. Satan went to him, hey, if you see these stones? They look good, right? Turn them into bread. Well, he took them to the pinnacle, the high pinnacle, and said, hey, throw yourself off. God would catch you. He actually misquoted scripture, and that's why it's important that we know scripture. Then he said, 
bow to me and I'll give you the world. To me, that is right there. That is based on my studying the life of Christ and looking for God. I think that's the greatest temptation Jesus ever had right there. Bow to me and I'll give you the world. Jesus didn't argue with him because he took the keys from Adam from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. Remember God gave domin- uh, man dominion over the world. He sinned and now he has the keys to the world. And now he, that's why Jesus didn't argue with him. He says, Jesus, you, you see Jerry? You love Jerry. You want to die for Jerry on the cross. You see Jim? You want to die for Jim on the cross. You see Michelle? You love Michelle. You want to die for Michelle. But listen, Jesus, I have a shortcut. You don't have to go through the cross. You love these people. You came and you left your throne in glory to die for them. But you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be, you don't have to go through the flogging and and be nailed to the cross. All you have to do is bow to me and I'll give it to you. The kingdoms of the world. That was Jesus' greatest temptation. Though he's been tempted at all points. So in the same way, Christ knows. But Jesus said, no, he worships God. Notice what Jesus, if you study that, read that, and you find that, what did Jesus do? He didn't catch a fit. He didn't blame somebody else. He didn't get a lawyer. (laughs) What did he do? What was his arsenal to go against and fight temptation? It was the word of God. Man, so now live by Brent alone, (laughs) right? He gave him, he tried to tempt him. He used scripture. Whenever you're tempted, use scripture. Use scripture like Jesus did. So listen, Jesus in all points have been tempted. So we can't say, God doesn't understand. He's Jesus. No, but he went through the same that you have been through. We need to trust in the Lord. Go to the word of God and go to the one, a great high priest, who could sympathize with our weaknesses and was tempted at all points, but without sin. Did not sin. Here's the important thing. And, and, and understand this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to fall into temptation. You'll always be tempted. When will you not be tempted? When you stand in glory before the Lord. <laughs> For now, as long as you have this flesh, right? Not only is it fading away, right? Not only the hair, you lose, I'm losing my hair. Not only because of great, we're fading away. <laughs> But when we stand before God in glory, I'm going to be a foot taller. I'm going to have hair. I'm going to be buffed. No, the point, the point is, there's no more battles. The flesh is gone. I'm going to have a glorified body. But here's the thing. We not only have a high, great high priest that sympathized with us, that's been through what we all been through and are going through right now, today, tomorrow. But we have one that can aid us and help us. The writer of Hebrews wrote back in chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, he wrote this, For in that he himself, speaking of Christ, has suffered, being tempted, here it is, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. 
We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race. 